I want to just before we read our scripture this morning, because we're going to be ending the service a bit differently today, I just want to uh, make you all aware that uh, at the end of our service, we're going to be sharing in communion together. And that communion will be done in our tribe groups. For those of us, those who are visiting uh, today throughout the summer, during this series, we've been breaking up into groups uh, immediately following the message. And then, uh, so, for your group, you look at the sign that's in front of you, and that's the tribe that you are in. There is a uh, map in, your, uh, in the lobby and in the bulletin, and those are the places where you will go. And so I'm saying that now because we're going to kind of want to move into those groups and in a kind of a time of reflection, and I just want to make you aware of that. And also, as we do communion today, right by the steps, as you head in the back, there is a basket of gluten-free elements. So if you are gluten-free, you may pick up your elements there. And we are trusting that as we cap off this series, we will have a rich time in our small groups as we share in communion uh, with one another this morning. Our Bible reading this morning, as we made our way through the book of John, we are near the end. We are in John chapter 15. So if you can turn in your Bibles there, John 15. We are going to be reading verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this final I am statement of this series, Jesus declares quite clearly to us, he says, I am the vine. And Jesus, once again, as he's done throughout this entire series, is looking across the landscape and using items and and figures and and things that people are readily aware of uh, in order to teach them and make an application on how we should be able, how we should relate to him. And so Jesus does that once again here with I am the vine. Because at this time, and really even today, the land of Israel, because of the climate and the topography is perfect situation for growing grapes and having vineyards. In fact, at the time of Jesus, almost every village out in the hill country would be covered and uh, scattered with vines all over the ground. And each town at that time also would have a wine press so that they could bring their grapes into the wine press and um, make make wine. When we were in Israel as a group, we had an opportunity to go to a wine press 
And here is a picture of the wine press on this side. Uh, you can see there's some ropes that you can hold on to up above where you can, can stomp on them. We went to a living history place called Katzrin, which was a rebuilt village from the first century of Jesus. So we got to put on the biblical garb and we got to all get in the wine press. Uh, all 40 of us went into the wine press and they put grapes there on the ground and there we were uh, stamping grapes. And at the very end, we got to toast and drink what we affectionately called our foot juice. Uh, and then they put it in a jar and told us to keep it and let it ferment all week so that it would taste even better and be more wine-like, which we did not do because nobody wants foot juice. Here's a picture that has not been seen uh, of uh, that experience because as we donned our clothes, there were two of us that ended up wearing the exact same outfit and we concurred that we were from the same tribe. It appears that we were from the tribe of ill repute. I, I, uh, and so I'm not telling you which tribe that is. You can think among yourselves as you look out here, which tribe, look among the people you will know if you're in that tribe or not. But it was a great experience to be there in the land and see how they, they uh, used the, the, the grapes from the vine to make the wine. It was just critical to who they were. And so Jesus uses this image again to say, I am the vine, because immediately everybody would have resonated with it. They would go, oh, we get this, Jesus. We, we know what, it's, what it means. And as Jesus brings this up in John 15, there are some key players in this story. And so we just want to look at this slide here, and we can remember and review who the players are. First of all, there's Jesus, who says, I am the vine. He's the vine. Other versions might say branch. Then there is God, who is the gardener, or who is the farmer. And then there are the branches, which is us, God's people. Those are the key players in this story. And I think for us to grab what Jesus is trying to teach here, we need to look at the outcome that Jesus is looking for. What is Jesus' expectation as he shares this story when he says, I am the vine? And I think his expectation is quite clear because he mentions it over and over and over again that we would bear fruit. Jesus says, you are to bear fruit. Here in John 15, the emphasis is on, on bearing fruit. And I'm just wondering if Jesus brought this message up to his people when he was moving through the land. Jesus is walking and he's going maybe past the temple. Because we see in John 14, we see in John 14 at the very end, 1431, Jesus says, come, now let us leave. See that? So they left the upper room. He continues to teach, and in John 15, I'm sorry, John 18, we get to the end, and it says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. So I'm just wondering, when Jesus is giving this teaching about bearing fruit, did they move from the upper room and were they going past the temple where the front gates of the temple were covered with an ornate gold vine because Israel was to remember who they were. From the very beginning in the Old Testament, the image of them was the vine. And so at the temple, 
there was this gold vine that just kept getting added to year after year. And so maybe they left the upper room and they were going through that, and as the disciples commented on the vine, Jesus turns to them and says, you know what? I'm the true vine. Or maybe they continued walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they had to go through the Kidron Valley, and there they went through a host of vineyards. And Jesus points to the vineyards, and he says, I am the vine. However Jesus delivered this message to them, it's rooted in the land, and everybody would have recognized, yeah, we know what the purpose of this is, that we are to bear fruit. That's what a vine is supposed to do, bear fruit. And Jesus says that over and over again in here, and he says not only fruit, he says more fruit, and he says you are to bear much fruit. See the expectation of Jesus? To bear much fruit. When we talk about bear fruit, that's kind of a churchy word that we like to toss around. And when we think of that bear fruit and what that means, I think it's quite simply just that when we come to know who Jesus is, his spirit comes to live and dwell inside of us. And that begins to change our character. The old nature is gone, the new nature has come. And our characteristics, our habits, our attitudes, our behaviors, our engagement with the world begins to look more and more like Jesus Christ. And as we bring Jesus out into the world, because he is in us, that is bearing fruit. And Jesus' expectation is that as his followers, we would bear fruit. In fact, Jesus said, he said, how will they know my, you're my followers? You'll know it because of the fruit from them, their fruit. So he's expecting God, he's expecting us to bear fruit, and that was God's expectation from the very beginning. When he called Abraham, he said, Abraham, you're going to be uh, blessed so that you could be a blessing. It wasn't, Abraham, I'm going to call you together as a group so you can say, ha, 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 we are in, we are God's people, and the others are not. But that's what they had become. In Jesus from the very beginning says, you are to follow me. And here we see it right here, that you are to bear fruit. And Paul echoes this in Colossians. Colossians 1.10, Paul says, the goal is that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. How do we live a life that, that shows God his worth and shows his value? Colossians 1.10, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. How do we live a life worthy of God? How do we live a life pleasing to him? We bear fruit. We bear fruit. Now that fact right there may be a life-altering concept for some of us. That's the expectation, that we bear fruit. We don't become a believer and a follower of Jesus by just coming and sitting. We are not a follower of Jesus by just coming and receiving and taking in and feeding and feeding some more and growing and getting bigger and bigger. We, that's not our expectation. The expectation is not that we just come and, and consume the things of God. The expectation is not that we give our life to Jesus so that we know in some future future time down the line when our life is over, then we will be able to go to heaven. 
but rather we give our lives to Jesus and he gave his life on the cross so that we could be transformed into his image so that we could go into the world and live and bear his fruit in the present today. He saves us for today with the goal of bearing fruit so that this world can look more and more like the kingdom of God and he's entrusted it to his church, to his people, and he says, go and bear fruit. Look at verse 16. Verse 16, 15, 16. I didn't read this one, but as you continue to read down, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Put my hand on you. I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. That's why Jesus grabbed us. That's why Jesus grabbed a hold of us. That's why he went to the cross, so that in our lives we would bear the fruit of the kingdom of God. Because, friends, when we are connected to the vine, when we have our lives connected to Jesus, we will bear fruit. Did you read that in here? Jesus said that over and over again. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Not, you might bear some fruit. If you feel like it, you'll bear some fruit. You can decide how much effort you want to put into it and you'll bear. Jesus says you will bear fruit. If you are connected and in me, that's the standing here. Those who are in him, in Jesus Christ, will bear fruit. That's what Jesus is saying here. You will bear fruit. Matthew 7, 18, Jesus says, a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. If you are in Jesus and you are a Jesus tree, you're going to bear Jesus fruit, good fruit. You can't help but do it because you're a Jesus tree. You're in him. That's what's going to come out of you, is Jesus. If you're in him, Jesus is going to come out. We get that here in, in, up in the right Orchard Hill. If you're an apple tree, apples are going to come out of you. You don't say, you know what, I'm an apple, I, don't want to, I, don't want to, I don't want anything. You know, I'm not going to come out of that apple. An apple is going to come out. If it's a peach tree, a peach is going to come out because it's a peach tree. So if you are in Jesus, you will bear fruit. Do you see how strong that is here? You will bear fruit. Again, in verse 7, 16, he says, you will know my followers by their fruit. So, this makes us give kind of an honest assessment, doesn't it? If we're here today, and we're thinking about the Jesus fruit stand market of our life, Right? We all drive down the roads and we're like, oh, I'm so hungry for apples. Let me go to that fruit stand. Oh, there's nothing there. What is your fruit stand? What does your fruit stand look like to the world? As the world walks past you, as the world sees you, do they see the fruit of Jesus in your life? Do they see the fruit of Jesus pouring out of you? Do they see the fruit of Jesus in your family, in your workplace, in your fun, in your entertainment, in how you use the resources? Is Jesus infusing everything you do so that you're bearing fruit? Because you will bear fruit. Amen. If you are in Jesus, 
Jesus will come out. So, right? So if I'm standing here, I'm going, I'm not bearing fruit. Could it then be that maybe you're not in Jesus Christ? Because a lot of good people show up to church, but they're not in Jesus Christ. We can do a lot of good things, but not be in Jesus Christ. Are you in Jesus Christ? Because you will bear fruit. By your fruit, you will know them. What do those around you say about the fruit of your lives? So they immediately go, oh, God, I spend time with them, and it's like being with Jesus. I spend time with them, and I just know exactly what the kingdom of God looks like. Are you bearing fruit? Do they see that fruit come out of you? That's what Jesus does. He's divine, and he brings out fruit. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. He's the fruit producer in this story. The second one in this story is the father. The father is the gardener. The father is in control of the fruit production. It's not us. It's the father. The father is control, and he does two things, the father does. He does these two things. He lifts us up, and then he prunes us. He lifts us up. That's the first thing that he does. He lifts us up. And let's, let's do a little first century, uh, I don't know a lot about first century farming, but what I do know about first century farming is that grapevines, a vine like we have here, they grow along the ground. We are uh, accustomed to seeing Soma, Sonoma and Napa where they're all up on these nice trellises and nice rows, not the way they naturally grow. They naturally grow on the ground. And they grow on the ground and they grow in the dirt. And growing on the ground and in the dirt, you don't get any fruit, right? Because you're dirty. You get dirt, you get moisture, leads to mildew. Bugs, bugs thank you, Fred. I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, bugs. You get bugs coming up out of the ground, no fruit. So what does the father do, the gardener do? He comes along and he'll either use maybe a stick kind of like, kind of like this. Sounds like I'm rubbing, sounds like my fat is rubbing the microphone again. There we go. All right. He'll use a stick like this. He'll stand it up. And he'll do what with the vine? He will lift it up. He'll lift it up, get it out of the dirt, get it out of the, the mud. Or in the first century, plenty in Israel are rocks. And he would take a rock in the first century. And he would lift up the vine. And there as it's lifted up, it can begin to produce fruit because it's out of the mud. It's out of the mildew. It's away from the bugs. He lifts it up. And so I'm arguing a little bit here against what this passage, what the word is used here in the NIV, because in verse 2 it says, the father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. I think that's a faulty interpretation, because the Greek word is arrow. 
The Greek word is arrow, and when it's used in other contexts, it means lift up. Jesus arrowed his eyes to heaven, lifted them up. The lame man arrowed his mat. He lifted it up. They arrow. They took the stones and they lifted them up. Those are all the other uses of the word arrow, and I think when it, we see how it's used there, and in the context of first century gardening, what the gardener would do, he would lift it up. Because these branches, where are they? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit? No, because if you're in Jesus, you're going to bear fruit. You're in Jesus, so I don't think the gardener would come along and cut that branch off. Well, I got a branch there. It could bear fruit. I'm going to cut it off. That's not going to happen because this says our position is in Jesus, and when we're in Jesus, we're in Jesus. I mean, we don't have to worry about losing that salvation. We don't have to worry about losing that relationship. When you're in, you're in. And I can't see the Father coming along going, I'm cutting you off. I don't see any fruit. It is true that we could be in Jesus and we're struggling to produce fruit. We are down in the dirt. We're dealing with sin. We're struggling with habits. We're dealing with addictions. We got bad attitudes, right? We got the enemy in this world who, who puts us down in the mud, who puts us down in the dirt. And what a sad thing it would be if the father's like, yeah, cutting you off. But he doesn't. What's the good news here? He does what? He lifts us up so we can produce fruit. That's beautiful gospel word. And maybe you're here today, and you're like, I'm struggling because this is what I'm producing. Like, if, if you're down in the dirt, you're producing little raisin-like things. But what does God want you to produce? Fruit, and much fruit. And maybe you're saying, this is my life right here, Pastor. I am struggling. There is not much fruit here. The good news is God knows. God cares, and as he looks at you, he says, what I am going to do is I am going to lift you up and help you win victory over that sin. I'm going to lift you up, and we're going to take care of that relationship. I'm going to lift you up I'm going to restore you, renew you, rebuild you, so that you can bear the fruit of the kingdom. That's what God says, what God does. He lifts up, and the second thing which the Bible says here, and he prunes. He prunes. Why is he pruning? Because he wants fruit. And if you know anything a little bit about gardening, you know sometimes you have to prune to get fruit, to get the best growth. And so if there is stuff that is dead, there is stuff that is decaying, the Father's going to come along, he's going to cut that out, right? Because it's taken life away from growing fruit. So he's going to take what's dead, he's going to take what's, what's, uh, what's, what's not producing, and he's going to maybe pr um, prune some of that away. And he's also going to prune maybe, when you're pruning things, you prune the young shoots, you know, the little ones that are just trickling out there and, and all of a sudden they're growing leaves because what do those young shoots do? They take the energy away. They're good. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're growing. Maybe they're full of life. But if you have a bunch of those, you're just going to get little baby kind of fruit on them. So we're going to prune them away so that I can get abundant fruit, that I can get much fruit. And so maybe we have good stuff in our life good stuff in our life that has to be pruned. We can be saying yes to a lot of things in the kingdom. 
Yes, I'll do this, that's good. Yes, I'll do this, that's good. Yes, I'll do this, that's good. But should we be doing them? And sometimes the Father takes them away. Because that's a question that I often ask. Yes, I can do that, but should I do that? Is it going to take away from, from where I'm producing the most fruit? So is there something in your life today that is, is dead, that's decaying, that maybe needs to go? Is there something in your life, uh, maybe something good, that needs to go? Ask the Holy Spirit. Pray to God. Say, God, would you come? I want to produce fruit for you and help me see what in my life will do that in the best way. What's good? What's bad? What do I need to take away? The Father prunes. So the vine grows, produces the fruit. The Father, he tends to the fruit. And so what is our role in all of this? We got a very simple role. We read it over and over again. The word is remain. Remain in me, verse 4, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We, that's our task is to remain. Other scriptures say abide. It's all the same that it's a simple passage. It means that I'm going to dwell. I'm going to stay. I'm going to be connected. This is where I know this is where my life is, and so I'm right here. I am right here. And this word that's used here is a verb. It's an imperative. It's something we do. So we as the believers who want to bear fruit, what do we do? I say, oh man, I'm getting up in the morning. I got one thing I want to do to bear fruit. I can't make the fruit happen. I can't go, oh, I'm going to have fruit today. But what I can do is connect myself to the vine. Because when I'm connected to the vine, I will bear fruit. The Father will work. You see how that goes? So I'm going, our task is to remain. To remain. To remain to the vine. To remain in Jesus. That's our task that is given to us here. It's not a belief. It's not a feeling. It's an action of our life. That we are committed to remaining in Jesus. And I think the way that we remain is that we stay connected to Jesus. We connect our lives to Jesus. Again, this is not about a religion, but it's about a relationship that you know Jesus. You know who he is. You know him deeply. You know what he cares about. You know what he loves. You know what he longs for. You know what his mission is. And he knows you. He knows your heart. He sees into you. He knows where you're in the dirt. He knows what needs to be pruned away. You're in that kind of relationship with Jesus. And so can I ask, what is your abiding rhythm of life? What is your connecting rhythm of life? How do you stay connected to Jesus personally? I think we get in the Word. I think we pray. What's your rhythm look like for connecting to Jesus? Because maybe you're simply here this morning, and this is you, because you're not connected to Jesus. A little bit. So you got a little bit. But Jesus wants much fruit. And so we connect our lives to him. I think it happens personally, but I also think it happens in community. Because we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Jesus Christ. And so you connect yourself to the body. And so we come together. And that's why I say worship weekly with no, <coughs> with no excuse. Because we come together to bring glory to God and we connect our hearts together 
with God. I engage in serving this world because that's the heart of Jesus. And as I serve, I get to know who Jesus is and who he loves. And so I connect my heart through service. And so I'm engaged in community. I, I come to a small group so that we can grow in our love and knowledge and support and encourage each other and have iron that sharpens iron so that we can be more Christ-like with one another. And sometimes we need other eyes to help us with that. And so I connect in community. Are you connected to Jesus? That's how we remain in him, by connecting our lives to Jesus. But then we also are dependent on Jesus. We're dependent on Jesus because he's divine. Without him, I can do nothing. So I'm dependent on him from the time I get up to the time I go to sleep. And even while I'm sleeping, I am dependent on him for life and breath, for everything that I do. And as I head to my workplace, as I engage in my family, as I deal with my finances, as I deal with everything, I say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, how would you do this? That every moment of our life, it's kind of when Paul says, pray without ceasing, that we are continually going to the vine because we're dependent on him. Again, how much more simple could he say? Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. And so we need to be dependent on Jesus, and then we need to continue with Jesus. It's not one and done. Okay, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15, and I'm good. I've come to church, and I'm done. No, we continue with Jesus from day one till the very last day we give our breath. We continue with Jesus each and every day. A new day to walk with him. A new day, because if I'm not connected, there's not going to be any fruit. So I'm going to stay connected with Jesus. I can't help but thinking, because you know that I have this love for bonsais, and I couldn't help but thinking about this picture here. You see the picture on the right-hand side, my right-hand side, is of a, a brand-new little sprout bonsai. The one on the other one, 400 years old. It's the oldest, really, the oldest bonsai in the United States, second oldest in the world. Uh, it's the National, Gal National Arbitorium in Washington, D.C. It was given to us by uh, Japan because that tree was there on the ground when we bombed Hiroshima. It survived that. It survived 400 years of being nurtured and cared for and tended to, and it is beautiful, it is strong, it is glorious. Some of us just stop. We're not being tended to. We're not staying connected to Jesus. We're not continuing that care. We're not continuing to draw our life and energy from him. And we end up being just that little twig while others of us continue to walk with him, continue to get our strength from him, continue to guide in him, and we continue to grow. I think Jesus is pointing at that in this passage because he says you can have fruit or you could have a lot of fruit. And his desire is that we have a lot of fruit, and it happens when we remain in him because he is divine. His goal is that we produce fruit, and God's goal for each of you is to produce fruit. And I think there's a lot of fruit coming from Orchard Hill Church. I see it. We're impacting the community because early on we asked ourselves, what, what would this community miss us if we folded up and we weren't here? And so we wrestled with that, and so we've actively gone into how, how are we to be the fruit in this neighborhood, and I think we're doing it really well. But there's a lot of untapped potential. Can you imagine if we each committed to remaining in the vine, 
to being dependent on Jesus, to growing and we're each offering just an abundance of fruit and we go out into this world, what a change that would make to this community in Walker. When we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, it can be done today through us as we remain in Jesus and we abide in him who is the vine. God, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for this message and God, we just ask now that you, you, would, uh, you would come with your spirit and your spirit would help us to remain, your spirit would help us to abide and that we would cut away everything in our life. God, if you gotta do some hard work this morning, will you do it so that we can just remain in you and bear fruit? Father, we open ourselves up to you right now in this place and in this time that we would be connected to you fully and always. In Jesus' name.